If you decided to listen to this week's message of Dr. Day Central, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. We're actually in a series called Come As You Are, or Come and Dine is what we're talking about tonight. So look at the person next to you and say, Come as you are. If you're Afrikaans, you can say, Come as you is. I think it'll, it'll it ought to be understanding. So, Here's the thing, right? If you live in the free state, just by the way, for first years, if you live in the free state, you have to learn a little bit of Afrikaans, okay? Not a lot, but just enough to get by. And and the reason I'm saying this is maybe one day you're going to be invited to a dinner table, right? To a dinner at someone's house, you know, Afrikaans OMP that says, hey, man, hey, don't you want to come over for supper? And for a poiki, yes. We're going to make a laka poiki on Sunday. And, um... Who of you guys have ever been invited to a meal, just by the way, that, to a meal, not a meal, a meal. Who of you guys have been invited to a meal, and if you're invited to this thing, you realize you, you've been asked last minute to kind of just fill a seat. Anyone? We had people like that at our wedding. We were like, it was, we had a, we had a short list. I'm like, I'm sorry, you, you mean a lot, but budget also means a lot. Um, Or maybe you've gone to a meal and you've asked yourself, why am I invited to this meal? Anyone? Right? Right? It's like sometimes we get invited to meals and we don't understand why. So one of my friends, um, uh, well, not one of my friends. It's actually a funny story of long ago. So one of my dad's friends growing up at Varsity told me the story. I was like, oh, sick. I'm going to tell everyone. So my dad grew up in a very like English space and uh, all his friends were super English, but his mom's Afrikaans, my grandma's Afrikaans, so we quite bilingual. So I I'll, pre- I'll speak to you later. Um, but uh, he had a friend that could only speak English. Now he liked this Afrikaans girl, right? And he's like, yo, I want to impress her. And, and so they invite, they started like semi-dating and, and they invited this guy over to supper at their house. And he looked at my dad and he said, Sydney, like, you've got to go with me, man. Like, you know, I don't understand this Afrikaans stuff. He's like, okay, I'll come with you. And he goes with, and they're eating supper. And, and every now and then he'll like nudge him and be like, say this. He'll say, yes, the course is lacquer. You know, and they're like, oh, the course is lacquer. Yes, yes. And the tani is nice. And, but the, the tani is like really generous. You know, Afrikaans people, they're like that. Once you've eaten, they just put some more. And they put more. And eventually, you know, she puts more for the third time. And he's like, oh, it's too much. And he's thinking to himself, how do I say I've had enough? So he looks at the tani and says, tani, and uh, maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, this guy's English, it's okay. You're going to f- become part of our family. But dinners are weird because dinners sometimes gets weird. Like um, it's, it's, a, it's a very important space, by the way, if you have dinner with someone. It's a space where you are just open, right? Because let's get honest, be honest, before, before dinner you're hungry, so you're agitated. Who of you guys get hangry? Yeah, right? The moment you start eating, it's like, ah, it's nice. You can enjoy it. There's some good conversations. And then afterwards, you're like, yo, guys, I'm going to go for a lie down. <laughs> Anyone like that? You see, because a good dinner can actually fill us. But what if I told you that maybe some of us might be experiencing spiritual hangriness? Spiritual angriness, which is hunger, that we're, we still haven't gotten something to fulfill that need, right? So there's a story. I'm going to tell you a story of two people, right? The story of Peter. Now, the story of Peter, everyone say, hello, Peter. 
He's not here. Why would you do that? But there's a story of Peter, right? And Peter tells the story. Peter goes through this moment with Jesus. So we kind of know Peter's story. Uh, Peter, you know, he's busy fishing. Jesus rocks up to him, you know, in the beginning of, of, of the, of the um, Gospels. And he says, Peter, what's up? Throw your net on the other side. And Peter's like, what does this guy know? And he does it. And he's like a bunch of fish. And then Peter, he says to Peter, hey, follow me and I'll make you more of a fisherman. I'll make you a fisher of men. I've got something greater for you. And Peter's like, yes. And then Peter goes through the journey, does everything with Jesus. He's in the crowd, you know, doing the things, helping out. And then uh, the Lost Supper comes and he has this really weird moment where, you know, Jesus has been teaching him about humility for three and a half years. And then Peter stands up and he says, that's cool. But which one of us is the best? And you're like, Peter. (laughs) And then uh, a soldier comes to like arrest Jesus and he chops off his ear and it's like, Peter. And then a little girl comes and is like, aren't you that person that walked with Jesus? No, 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 not me. No, I'm pretty sure you were that. No, 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 not me. Aren't you that? Listen, you little girl. Here's a fizzer, go. Pretty sure he said that. But here we get a moment where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, starts revealing himself to the disciples. He's, he showed himself to the disciples before. So after this moment of, you know, Jesus revealing himself to the disciples, revealing this thing, he says to them, go into the nations and preach the gospel, right? Go, go and preach the gospel. Guess what they do? Like if you've ever thought about like men can't think sometimes. I'm just saying for, for us. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> for my wife. <laughs> Is this, Simon Peter stood up and he said, I'm going fishing. Like Jesus just gave you the thing to say, like go into the world and share the gospel. And he goes, yep, I'm going to go fishing. And then like all the other men, like if you ever have a guy that says, I'm going to go for a fishing weekend or for a fun weekend, then what do they say? Yeah, no, I'm in, eh? Yeah, no, I'm in. And that's a moment. They say to him, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And then, and then they say to him, the, the disciples are like, yeah, we'll also go. We'll go fish with you. You know, Peter, we'll... Let's go do this thing. Let's go fishing. And so they went out immediately and got into the boat and they caught nothing all night long. But when the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore, resurrected Jesus now, right? He has holes in his hands, so he can't drink water. That that one. And uh, it's funny. I thought about that the other day. Like, yeah, anyway, it's just me. But yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus because it was far away. It's like, what's this guy? And so Jesus said to them, children, like has anyone called you a child before? It's messed up, right? But he says to them, children, have you got any food? I think it's like a bunch of grown men in a boat. They're like, who's this guy? And then they say, no, we didn't catch anything yet. And then he says to them, well, cast your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, like this is the second time this has happened. You know, I could imagine Peter's like, I've heard this before. This happened somewhere before in my life. And I could imagine some of them sitting there as well like, what does this guy know? Like, I'm a professional fisherman. No, he's like, cast it on the other side. Does he know how fishing works? Like, and so they do it. They cast on the other side because they've been there all night long. Like, they, they haven't got anything. And then when they cast on the other side, they weren't able to draw the amount of fish because it was too heavy. Therefore, and, and this is quite funny for me. Right? If you ever thought like someone's vain, there's a guy called John in the Bible. Super. 
And therefore, he actually says this, because this is John, the one he wrote. So he writes it himself. It's not like someone wrote it about him. He says, then the disciple that Jesus loved. Like, that's messed up, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm the disciple that Jesus also loves you, but I'm the one that Jesus loves, you know? Said to Peter. He could have just said, so I said to Peter, or John said to Peter, but he doesn't. He says, the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, we've seen this before, it's, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. It's him. And so Peter, in this moment, Scripture goes on to say it, Peter in this moment, like, he's like, what? Jesus, it's him. So it says he takes off his outer clothing, wraps it around his body, and jumps into the water and starts swimming because the guys are taking too long to get to the shore with all the fish. Scripture goes on that says that um, as soon as they had come to land, and if you've ever wondered if Jesus is maybe South African, this is, this is one of those. Putting it out there. It's not biblical what I'm about to say, but <laughs> they saw a fire with coals there, fish laying on it, and bread. Guys, snook and a garlic broiki. That's all I'm saying. Right? Jesus made breakfast. As he got there, Jesus was ready with breakfast. And Jesus said to them, Bring the fish that you have caught. Come bring fish, throw some extra ones on. We're gonna need it. And so Simon Peter went up and dragged the net full to land. And then someone, just by the way, if you've met the resurrected Jesus, like Jesus standing in front of you, and uh, he's there, I don't think you'll end up ca- like counting fish, right? But here they are. No, there was 153 fish. Like, Jesus, that's cool. Just wait. I'll just, oh, I lost count. Um, let me start again. Like, they were so worried about the fish that they missed something. And then um, Jesus said to them these words. And these are the big words today. Come and dine. Come and eat. Other translations say, come, let us have breakfast. Bacon, eggs, the fish and bread, same, same. Let us have breakfast together. Let's eat together. Yet none of the disciples asked, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. It was Jesus himself. And then Jesus came and took them and gave them bread. I broke the bread and gave it to them. Likewise with the fish. You see, while we're reading this piece of scripture, let me explain a little bit to you. So Peter, in that journey of his life, there were three moments that he denied Jesus, right? And these three moments kind of tackled him in his heart. Because here he is in front of people saying, no, no, I do not know the Messiah. I do not know him. And now Jesus is resurrected. He reveals himself and you look at him in his eyes and he realizes, man, I missed it. I wasn't faithful. I didn't listen. I didn't trust. It's a sucky feeling, right? And in this moment, you can see he's uncomfortable and and it's difficult. And so what does he do? He runs away to the thing he knew before Jesus, fishing. I wonder for some of us, once we've met Jesus, maybe we've messed up, maybe we've moved away, maybe we haven't listened to the word he told us to step into, then we run back to the thing we did before. You know the reason we do that? is because usually that thing is something we can control. But can I just tell you the illusion of control is the fact that you can control something. can never control anything. And so in this moment, Peter's back in that space. He's, he's thinking to himself all these things. 
He's thinking to himself that, you know, I'm not good enough. I can't step into this, man. I, I deny Jesus. I, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. What does Jesus do? Does he rock up at the shore and goes, Peter, <laughs> this is going to be awkward in front of your friends. But man, you did this. And you did that. And you didn't do this. And you should have done. No, what does he do? He says, before we chat about anything, let's have a meal. Let's chat. Let's, let's enjoy a meal. Let's eat together. Why would he do that? Because every moment that Jesus had with his disciples, any pinnacle moment, there was a meal involved. Right? When Jesus meets tax collector, he says, I'm eating in your house tonight. He doesn't say to him, you know, fix your life and do this. No, he says, I'm eating in your house. Later in the conversation around a meal, this guy says, listen, I'm paying back everything I stole from people and I'm doing, giving extra away. Because he experienced Jesus for himself. Jesus with his disciples. He has meals with them. He says, let me wash your feet before we do this meal. I mean, every single moment that Jesus spends when he eats with people is not just about the food. It's about opening up to him. Why is this important? Well, in this moment, and Peter would think that God is going to whip him. Jesus is going to sort him out. But he doesn't. He invites him. To breakfast. Breakfast. John 21 verse 17 says why. You see, at this meal, Jesus is having breakfast with Peter. And he asks him three very well thought, deep theological questions. He asks him the first time. Peter, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's like, Jesus, you know I love you, man. First one. He says, good. Thank you. Then he goes on, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, whoa, you already asked that. Didn't you hear I said, yeah, I love you? And, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I love you, man. Like, I really love you. And then the third time he goes, Peter. Do you love me? And you can see all these defenses go off. The scripture actually tells us, it says this. He was grieved because he said it to him the third time. Do you love me? And then he said to him, Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. The Lord knows. The Lord knows that he denied him three times. He says, you know my failures. You know these things. You know that I tried them, that I can't get there and everything. You know it, but I, I still love you. You see, in this moment, Jesus wants to restore Peter. At a meal, Jesus restores him to say, guys, it's not about what you've done. It's not about the failure. It's not about the past. He says, come to me. Let's have a meal because I want to give you a future. I want to give you something good. I want you to enjoy me. See, there's another, a good part of this is that he's, he's not, you know, interested in your misgivings or your misconduct or your misunderstanding. He wants to understand who you are. He wants to get in the depth of who you are. With your doubts, with your fears, with your wrong motives, he says, come with those things. Come sit at the table because when we eat together, there's something about a restoration that will happen in your heart. Because Jesus' invitation 
does not is is not bound to your performance. You see, I've been invited to meals at people's houses, and I ask, or I think, why? Why would I be invited to this meal? And it's simple. It's because not because they're like your brain and you're nice. You know, you, you've done something for me. Let me give you a meal. No, it's because I actually like spending time with you. I love having you around the table. You know that invite that Jesus gives us to sit around His table. It's not a one of shame. You know, He looks hungry. Some of the students are like, I'm always hungry. No, it's one of, I want you to sit around my table. As a matter of fact, you've got one of the special seats. You have my son's seat. I've given my life, so I've given my son's life so that you can sit at this table with me. So the first story is the story of a guy called Peter. Second story is this, the story of a guy called Brent. Now he's not in the Bible, Okay. Just putting it out there. He's standing in front of you. Um, so in 1 Pitaway 3 verse 4, <laughs> Jack says no such thing, right? But let me explain you the story of Brent. Is, is something happened in my life years ago. And I, if you have heard the story before, I'm really sorry. But I'll always tell the story because it's the greatest thing. Years before, I was seeking not God, seeking my own will, seeking things of myself. Remember finishing matric, you know, going to a place where the devil lives. I'll tell you about it later. I'll actually show you. Um, but this moment that I, I was trying to discover things for myself, trying to make it myself. I was, I was looking for, for happiness in alcohol and girls and, and, and late nights out and um, fast cars and stuff like that. You know, and, and I was trying to get these things because I thought that is what's going to fill the hunger within me. Just like Peter was trying to run away because he couldn't fill that hunger. Here I am running away because I'm trying to find something that I don't understand. And um, God met me in a special place. But I love sharing this video. <laughs> now, this video is, is it's, you know, it's like we're grown-ups here, right? No kids. Cool. Um, but this is me on my matric vacation. And to give you an idea how old I am, that was in 2011. Some of you are like, I was born. I'm joking. No. <laughs> Hopefully not. Because <laughs> then you're still a kid. But uh, check out this short video of, of Brent. That was a very fun cigarette, I must be honest. But <laughs> I always tell people this. If you're sinning and it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> but something of that, I was trying to discover so many things in my life. And then my brother said, listen, I'm paying for you to go on this first year's camp. And I said to him, bruh, my words literally was, I don't want to go in your Christian camp. I want to go drink with my friends. And then he said to me, Brent, I paid a lot of money. You've got to go. So I go to this camp and I get there and, and there are these Christians. Now, have you seen some Christians? Maybe you walked in here today and you're like, yo, it's one of them. I saw them when I walked in. They're just like happy. Why are you smiling? It's hot. You know, like, there's just so, they're like, hey, welcome. It's so good to have you here. And you're like, these Christians are weird. I know we're weird. We're forced to be nice. We have to be nice. That's what we do. But there's this moment where I, I get off this bus. There's a bunch of people. I see these people. There's a guy called Marnie. I'll never forget him with a paper plate with my name on it. And he's like, hi, I'm Marnie. And Marnie takes me to the room, shows me the space, everything. And we spend time together. And in a moment, these people just make me feel at home. They literally are inviting me to spend time with them, hang out with them. And no jokes, as we got the food and stuff, 
I walked out and there's a table of guys and the guys are like, come sit with us, sit with us. They invite me to sit at their table. And it was like the cool guys, guys playing for Shimla rugby. Like I was like, ooh, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> and this next moment I'm sitting with them and, and as I spend more time with them, I start realizing something. They have something I don't. And I want it because usually to feel that kind of way, I have to smoke something or drink something. And the one night in worship, we're singing, and I feel something different happen in my heart. And there's a guy that preaches like I'm doing right now. And I don't remember anything he said, just like you will probably when you leave. I understand. It's fun. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's not me. And he just asked these words, whoever wants to give their life to Christ, just put up their hands. And I looked. And I was like, what the hell? Who did that? <laughs> and so this guy comes to me, explains the gospel. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want that. And I pray. And I didn't feel anything happen. So we go back into the, to the worship and I'm standing there. And I'm like, God, what's this? Like, you know, what's the point of this? And this next moment, God says to me, Brent, just like he did with Peter. <laughs> he says, Brent, I love you. <sighs> next moment, I start negotiating God. I go, no, 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 you don't. <laughs> you don't love me. How can you love someone like me? There's no way you could love. Like, if you've known all the things I've done, he goes, Brent, Brent, Brent. I know everything. I even know the things you don't want to tell people. And regardless of, I love you. And man, in that moment, it was like my heart broke. And God arrested my heart. And he said to me, Brent, it's about finding fullness in me. It's about understanding the fact that I love you. That's why I invite you to the table, for you to come and dine with me, for you to come and experience the fullness of life. Short story, there's a guy, we were literally sitting on this couch, middle of last year. Had a conversation, he came to Alpha Course. As he came to Alpha Course, very skeptical about Jesus, very skeptical about faith, said, can we have a coffee the next day? I said, 100%. So we sat here the next day having a conversation, and he, and he just like explains a bunch of stuff. Like, have you ever like been backed into a corner and you just start like explaining? Like when your mom's like, who ate the last? You're like, well, what happened, mom, is I got back from home and then... And this moment happens. And I can see he's like, you know what, I've been going to church, but now the past few years I haven't gone to church, but you know, I know Jesus, but you know, I'm wondering about this and like just constantly having this conversation with himself. I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude. And the Holy Spirit just drops in my heart and says, just ask him this one question. So I ask him, do you know that God loves you? And he goes, yeah, no, I know he loves me. And he continues. He's like, yeah. Then I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you hearing what I'm asking? Do you know that? Don't think about me. Don't think about the person next to you. Do you know that he loves you sitting here right now? That he loves you? Yes. And he sat on that couch, literally right there, put his head back, started crying. And he could see how God's love arrested his heart. This is what I imagined with Peter and with my own life. Is that while I was still a sinner, not even a person trying to do good things for Jesus. Jesus came and he died for me. See, why is the meal important? Well, when we get family together to celebrate, it's usually when we have a big meal. Christmas, right? Who of you guys are like five kilograms heavier after Christmas? 
Amen. Preach it. Hallelujah. I just love Christianity because yeah, someone made this joke one day. It is really good for me. It says that Christians are really weird. Like other religions, you know, you always fast and you do these things. We do fast. We do fast. But I mean, we're like, hey, guys, Christmas, um, let's eat everything. Easter, let us put some chocolates in the garden. You know, whatever it may be. Oh, you know, uh, you know, it's um, crucifixion time. You know, it's time to, you know, uh, Easter time. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. Pickled fish. We're going to do some pickled fish. Let's do it. Let's put crosses on buns and eat them. Like Christians are weird, right? But anyway, this moment is important. Why? Because the moment that Jesus has a meal with Peter, something changes. The moment he sits with us, something changes. Because if you're trying to do it like Peter, to do the church thing, or to do it like me, to try and fulfill life somewhere else, all it does, it leaves you tired, worn out, thirsty, and hungry for something better. So how do we end this off? Is with one easy truth. Only Jesus' dinner table truly satisfies our lives. Only once we sit with Jesus, it truly satisfies our lives. How, how long do we think we're going to keep going back to the things that do not really satisfy us? Hey, they don't really satisfy the soul. It satisfies our fullness. Because Jesus says, guys, don't go to that. Just come to me. Come dine with me because I'm going to fill your life. See, Jesus' invitation is to not just restore you, but to fill you. It's a feast. You know, when we celebrate something, there's always a feast. You know that, right? There's a cow slaughtered. Something big's happening. You know there's a party around the corner. There's a feast. Psalm 23 verse 4 goes on to say this. Prepare, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You see, it's not about just having a, a feast in front of your enemies, like, ha, ah, can't have any of this. It's not that. It's the understanding that God anoints us in that moment. It's this, it's this understanding of fattiness. Like, who of you guys have ever had, like, sculpture chops? You know, like a rack of lamb. It's like a lot of fat. But it's good, right? Am I the only one? No? Or like ribs, guys, ribs. Woo, ribs. Like, you know when you've eaten so much of that fatty goodness that you're like, you're like, oh, I can't anymore. Like, your lips are shiny. Like, you don't put Vaseline on for a week after that. Like, you're sorted, right? You, you, you can't even clean your hands. Like, it's, it's, it's so, it's like, so, you're so drenched in this fattiness. And here Jesus says, yes, Lord. <laughs> Someone's shower alarm went off or something. But there's this oiliness that he says, he anoints your head with oil. Why? Because there's this understanding that when you're in his presence, it's like oil. Have you ever put oil on your hands and try to just rub it off? It doesn't really come off. You need to wash it with sunlight or something. You have to do something to get it off. And here, here Jesus says, man, I want to anoint you with my goodness because it will fill you. It'll, it'll be a part of who you are. Isaiah 10, 27 says this, in the day their burden will be lifted from your shoulders. And the yoke of your neck and your yoke will be broken because of the fatness. Look at the person next to you and say, I hope you become fat in Jesus. What is this saying? This is a beautiful thing just to realize that this fatness is not talking about health. Okay, hear me out. 
But it's this thing is that if I eat something like a bunch of ribs, maybe some chips, what's a good pudding? Give me a good pudding. Mulfa pudding, like a whole bucket to yourself. Once you've eaten that, obviously it's in your system for a few hours, but anyway, it becomes who you are. And for some of us, it becomes a lot of who you are, right? And what he's saying this, he's saying, when you eat from me, when you eat the fullness of life, oh, you're going to get fat, <laughs> but good kind of fat. <laughs> you're going to be filled with me, with my goodness. And this is the invitation that Jesus has for us. See, I think with Peter's story and especially with my story, it wasn't until I tasted for myself who Jesus is that it transformed my life forever. We can tell you a lot of theory tonight. We can show you the beautiful theory of the Bible. But until the moment you taste for yourself who Jesus is, it'll never make sense. So tonight I pray for this one thing that you will taste and see that Jesus is good. You guys keen? Okay, so I want us to close our eyes quickly. As we're going to pray, maybe you'll be thinking to yourself that you've maybe been hiding from God like Peter did, running away, going back to old ways, hiding behind your work and your labor, trying to prove something to Jesus. But if you had to be honest, you still feel empty. You still feel tired. Or maybe like me, you've been trying to find it in so many fun things of that this world gives us. But still, when you close your bedroom door at night, you are so alone within your heart. I want to invite you that this evening, God has a feast prepared for you a feast of who he is, that you can enjoy who he is. And all he says is, just come and eat. Come and dine. Come and sit at my table and discover it for yourself. And if tonight the small step is just to say, God, I want to sit at the table. I don't know what it means yet. I don't understand all these things. I don't, I don't understand Christianity. I'm still trying to figure out. But I'm willing to just come and sit down and sit at your table. Would you be bold tonight? And just stand up. It's good. Don't hide behind it. Something beautiful in the moment we step out to sit at the table with Jesus. Because he says, don't worry about your past. Don't worry about the failures. Don't worry about the future. Worry about me in this moment. You want to sit at the table with me. It's beautiful. We're going to ask some of our leaders just to maybe go stand next to one or two of those people that are standing. Because we just love to pray with you and trust with you that God is moving in your heart, that he's transforming things inside of you. There's another guy here in front. Another lady standing up there. God's moving in your heart. Don't deny it. Don't push it away. 
Stand up in faith. Say, God, I just want to come sit at the table. I still don't know what it means. I still have questions. I still have doubts. But he says, come as you are to the table. Come and enjoy. Come and feast. Come and find life. Maybe if you're sitting still, that's perfect. And if you are sitting, just have a conversation with Jesus. Just say, Jesus, what's the next thing you want me to enjoy at the table? Is it a little bit of this? Is it a little sip of that? Is it another bite of this? What's the next thing you're calling me to, to enjoy at the table? Take a moment in prayer with God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you tonight that you are moving in our lives. That you invite us to the table, not to try and be perfect or dress in our best, but just saying, come as you are, sit down, because as you feast, you will change. As you enjoy, who I am becomes more of who you are. As we feast at the table, things change in our lives. You don't need to change to go to the table, but tonight we can just go sit and enjoy who you are and allow you to change us. We thank you for the guys standing saying that they want to take this step to be with you, just to sit at your table, to get to know you. And we pray, Lord, that this will be a start of a massive, beautiful journey in their faith, that they will discover more of who you are, that they will be covered in the the oily fattiness of your goodness, that they will be satisfied, that they'll never be hungry ever again because in you there is always fullness and satisfaction in life. We thank you for that, Jesus. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.